I wonder if you are ever tempted to take shortcuts. Yeah? On Friday, I was, uh, I was cooking the evening meal and I wanted to get it done quickly so that I could get here um, to Pulse. And of course, I wanted to eat it in between cooking it and getting here. So I was like, right, what can I do to speed it along? And uh, it was fish. And it's, it's a recipe we use quite often. And there's uh, breadcrumbs. And uh, you're supposed to chop some chives and mix it up with the breadcrumbs. And this becomes, you know, the crispy coating on top of the fish. But I just went, oh, chopping chives. Nobody's bothered about whether it has chives on it or not. That is not going to make the slightest bit of difference. So I just uh, put the fish out onto the baking tray, got the breadcrumbs, and just poured it all over them. And I went, yeah, that'll be fine. Shove it in the oven. I've got, not only is there supposed to be chives, there's supposed to be a good pour of olive oil as well that's to mix it up and stick it together and give it that extra golden crispiness when it comes out the oven. Well, the, the breadcrumbs toasted, but they weren't right. You know, the fish was cooked. You know, there were these bassa fillets. They did have a coating on top of them. But it wasn't quite right in taste or texture and that's the common problem with a shortcut the outcome isn't always what it's supposed to be in the 1904 Olympics there was a 20 year old American athlete Frederick Klortz who was running and after nine miles he was a bit exhausted. You know, he was a marathon runner. He was well trained. He had run lots of races before. But after nine miles, his manager gave him a lift in a car. Sounds like a good idea, actually. You know, if you could just do the entire 26 in a car... You know, I might be inclined to give it a go. So the manager gave him a lift up to about the 20-mile point, And then Fred started running again. And was first across the line. He took the tape. He was there. And everybody cheered. What an incredible thing he'd done. But of course he'd not done it, had he? And that victory, as a victory, was not long-lasting. He was soon found out not to have run the whole race that was before him. Our Bible passage today are the final words of the book of Revelation. The final words in the entire Bible. 
And I imagine most of us have read those first words in the Bible. You know, in the beginning, and we might have read those last words. But I also imagine that in the getting there, between the beginning and the end, some of us, but not all of us, have read the whole thing. And many of us, actually, unless we've followed something like our reading the Bible in a year plan or something like that, we've maybe not read it all. We've not done the full course. We've not followed the recipe. We've not run the race. Things go wrong. But in this instance, in this instance, actually, we get an inkling that for our faith, it isn't crucial that we've not read the entire weighty book. It's good to read it, but it's not crucial. I'd encourage you to read it all. I'd encourage you to, to give it a go, to go through those long genealogical lists of names, each one important to God, each one telling a bit of a story. I'd encourage you to, to be confounded by the plight of Job. I'd encourage you to maybe snuggle down at night with that book of poems that is the Song of Songs and maybe blush a little as you read it. The Bible is there to be read. But what is more important than having read the whole thing is to see the whole picture that the Bible is trying to give you. The understanding of who God is. That's there in the beginning and there in the end and woven all the way through the pages, every single chapter. God is great. God loves you. God calls you. He offers you life and longs for you to choose his way. Seeing this in the Bible is why we have it. Christ in our passage says that he will give according to what we have done. But this is not about pages that have been read. You know, if you've only read 1,250 out of the 1,251, that doesn't mean the reward is different. It's not about the hours served. It's not about the cups of lemonade handed out next Saturday or even how many we've led to the Lord. Or is it different levels of reward, bronze, silver, and gold? It's an everything reward or a nothing. We either get it or we don't. And it comes down to 
have we washed our robes? Have we chosen to be a follower of Jesus? Have we made that thing that has given us the royal robes that we can wear? Cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We might feel we are a rubbish follower. We might feel that we get stuff wrong at times, that we get in a bit of a muddle. We might feel our prayer life is non-existent occasionally and that we want to correct that, that we want to do more. But if we have chosen to try to follow Jesus and be his disciple, then we are given the reward. At the last, we are admitted back into the garden that was there at the beginning and to the holy city of God. Eternity awaits us there with the tree of life and the river flowing. In the beginning, before the fall, in Genesis 2, we hear that there is a prohibition notice on the tree of knowledge. But it would seem there's no similar instruction given to Adam at that time about the tree of life. It is always the intention of the Lord to offer life. Immediately post-fall, where tricked by Satan, the, the fruit revealing what is good and what is evil has been bitten by humanity. The people need to leave in case the tree of life is also taken and eaten. But it doesn't say it will never be eaten. No, the removal from Eden is so that it is a matter of God's decision and not Adam's. That it is in God's timing that life will come that is eternal. The fruit will be offered. But to some and not others. Those whose way is falsehood and those who have caused the extreme pain those who have worshipped other than the true God are not welcomed in. We might like to have a more inclusive understanding that salvation is for all. But what we need to remember is that it is for all on who trust. It's offered there. So if someone had been a murderer, which would see them excluded, and now turns to Jesus, they are forgiven and they are welcomed. Whatever pain, if they've turned to Jesus, if they've repented, they are Welcomed, and sometimes that is hard for us to take on board. But we must also remember in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, Jesus tells us three different parables. 
where people who think they should be admitted, people who think they have it, people who know of God are actually excluded. In the parable of the sheep and goats, the bags of gold, the foolish maidens. People have left outside. Each tell of individuals who in the day of judgment are discovered to be people that knew of God, but somehow weren't faithful in how they lived. Crying Lord is not enough, and nor is busying ourselves in his name. We are not saved by knowledge or of works, but by our faith. We are called to be disciples, living each day for him, making decisions in ways that reflect his glory, that give honor to his most wonderful name. Simply saying, let me in, is not necessarily true faith. Faith is lived. Politicians who claim to have faith but who do not do the honourable thing when they should, is that faithful to the Lord? Church leaders in America who stood against masks but stand up for gun ownership even on a day where children have died. Is that being a follower of Jesus? It's easy to point the finger, isn't it? But what about us? When, like a Pharisee, we add our own rules to what it is to be of faith or choose to simply ignore passages of Scripture because they don't suit our worldview, is that being faithful to God? And that comes out in this passage today, doesn't it? That's the challenge in our reading. Are we, as a church, are we as individuals faithful to Jesus? Do we have his love in our heart? Are we sacrificial in our being? Do we act in ways that will see the kingdom grow and see more come to Jesus, calling him Lord of their life? If his way has not been our way, let it become so. For the Lord is coming again and there will be judgment. Don't seek to take the shortcut, to miss out the ingredients, to catch a lift to the end of the race. But live for the Lord now, that means it's not always easy, but it is the way that is right. The passage has an invitation for us to come to the garden and to eat the fruit of the tree of life, to be refreshed by the water of life. But there is also in it 
the call for us to call. To say, come Lord Jesus. To pray that the day of the fullness of the kingdom, when every tear will be wiped away, will be known. In the light of the death of the children in Uvalde, of the war in Ukraine, of the ongoing COVID pandemic, and of those impacted by cancer and conflict and greed and poverty and injustice and so much more. May we have the courage to say, come Lord Jesus. May we have the courage to seek that day of judgment because we are faithful to our Lord. Amen.